Science Po. What happened one one day was a very very simple thing. Actually, it kept me awake at night for many months, and still I, I think at this moment it was in Mosul. We met this man whose whole family was destroyed. How do you deal with that? What Keeps You Up at Night is a podcast produced by the Sciences Po Journalism School and the Paris School of International Affairs. Here, we bring you personal stories from political leaders around the world. How do they balance their responsibilities? How do they deal with their doubts? And how do they manage their priorities? With those questions in mind, we want to dive into the hopes and dilemmas that come with being in charge. I am Morgan Annex. And I'm Michal Kubala. Anne Poiret, you're a distinguished journalist and documentary filmmaker, recognized for your extensive work on the aftermath of armed conflicts. In your work, you put the spotlight on the human and political repercussions of war and post-war reconstruction. You covered the Middle East, South Asia, Africa, and most recently Ukraine. Your 2007 film about the murder of 17 humanitarian workers in Sri Lanka earned you the Albert Londres Prize, the highest French journalism award. You also won an international Emmy Award for your recent work on the children left behind by ISIS in Iraq. Today we'll delve into your personal approach to navigating the challenges in crafting such impactful yet emotionally taxing documentaries. Welcome to our studios at Sciences Po Journalism School. Thank you for having me. So, Anne Poiret, when was the last time you've experienced a sleepless night? <laughs> last week. The most emotional things when you are doing the kind of work we all do when you go in this kind of field, when you go um, in places that have been destroyed, is to deal with the transition, I guess. The transition between the place you go, who are often devastated, and the place where you live, which is so privileged. I come from a peaceful country in a very rich country and when you come back from these places, and sometimes when, when you're there, I guess that's, that's very challenging and that's, that can be very troubling. But I guess really what's difficult to deal with, again, is when you come back. When you come back from these places and you have to deal with your, your daily life here and this incredible unfairness of being here and... And the people you met and sometimes people you really make friends with and, and you care for, really you realize that, you know, that they're there and you are here and frankly, you can't really do anything. I mean, you can tell the story, but then is it enough? So I guess that's the, the difference between worlds that is, uh, for me at least, very difficult to deal with. Do you remember your first night? in the field back when you were a starting journalist? What did the nighttime mean back then? I guess there is a mix between when you're young, I think you sleep very well. So I guess my night were probably better when I was a young journalist. But but yeah, I remember sometimes at night you have security issues. Like you, you wonder, did, did we choose the right hotel? 
is this place safe, you know? Mm -hmm. Is it, for instance, in Libya at the time, there were no kidnapping, but you're not sure because there's Daesh there. So did you choose the right place? And I went to training because you have to go to this training, you know, to, to deal with the complicated field. And you are told, check your doors, check the windows, don't uh, accept to sleep in a place where the windows, for instance, can be open from outside. And sometimes, you know, we, we go to very low budget places and sometimes anyway, everything's broken. So you really sleep where you can sleep. And of course, you never know, is that the right place? Did you choose, did you make everything safe so your crew because you're responsible for for them for the fixer and for the the cameraman you know did you did you make the right choices are you safe so that's one issue but again sometimes and i think it comes when you get older and you you understand how brief how short is the time you have on the field because it costs so much you know for a, a tv crew it's probably two thousand dollar per day, you know, so you really can't lose any time. Every minute counts. So I obviously, well, you don't sleep a lot. Nights are short, you work at night and then you talk with the team. Sometimes you, you make appointments. Sometimes, for instance, in Iraq, you can try to prepare anything you want. All your plans always fall about. So, and the only real time when you can reach out for, when you can talk to people, important people with, is at night. But then sometimes the decision I should make during the day and, the, dis and the, the thing I should have thought about come up in my at night, like literally when I'm, I'm sleeping, so it wakes me up like at two o'clock in the morning and like, oh, I should have interviewed these people. The, the man we met briefly is exactly the person we are looking for as a good character. So you, you, then you don't, you don't fall asleep anymore because you're thinking, you know, Are we going to be able to get him? Do we have his phone? And of course, you're not going to wake up the, the fixer at three o'clock in the morning. So you, yeah, I sleep very poorly during shooting, during filming. Do you recall a night like that? A lot of them. And the crazy thing is when you are, for instance, in Syria, you know that it's not anymore as dangerous as it was when I was there. It was three years ago. It was kind of safe because the war was over. But of course, you never know. So what you really need to do when you are in places, first is to trust the fixer and make sure that you always obey. <laughs> But also you have to be super, super aware of your environment. Most of the time you will see the danger and sometimes it will be a bit unconscious. Like there will be sign of a problem coming and you need to be super aware. So you need to be absolutely rested. So when you don't sleep because you think, oh, I should have done that, you're so crossed against yourself that you're like spending the night saying, oh, I'm, so, I'm so stupid, I should have asked the fixer to do that, and you don't sleep. At the same time, you're like, this is so crazy because what I need for my security is to sleep. And so <laughs> you, you're, getting, you're getting super annoyed uh, with yourself. But yeah, it happens a lot to me. Just for those who do not know A fixer is a person who helps anchor a journalist in a new country with language barriers, cultural barriers, with potential story ideas. Was there a night that left a mark on you? What happened one, one day was a very, very simple thing, and I hope I'll be able to tell you that without being emotional. 
it was a very simple interaction and actually it kept me awake at night for many months and still I, I think at this moment it was in Mosul after the war um, one year after we met this uh, man whose whole family was destroyed had been killed in a in a bombing and uh, we spent the day working with him in Mosul and filming him he was telling us awful stuff that happened to him and we had some tea in his house well in the place that was lent to him it was a, a room in the middle of the rubble but basically we could have tea so it was him uh, his best friend and the cameraman and me and his best friend asked me if I if I have children and this man his best friend just uh, his whole family has been killed like literally his five kids has been killed in front of him and I, I, I couldn't lie to him, you know. I said, yes, I have three kids. And I knew what his next question would be. It would be, do you have a picture of them? And I said, yes, I have a picture of them. And my, my three kids are gorgeous and they are in good health. And, and this man, he looked at me and he said, God bless them. And I feel, I still feel, it, it's still difficult for me to, to talk about it because it's, it's so unfair. And that's what is very difficult, is to, to, to stand in front of these people and um, the only thing you can do is tell the story, but you can't really change anything. And how unfair it is that you have such a great family and they lost everything. And you live here and they live in Iraq. That's, that's so unfair, you know. How do you deal with that? And I still, I don't know. Could you describe the emotions that are running through your head when you're in, in such an environment, in such a situation that you just described? When you work, you work. And cameramen are, are blessed for that because they always work on the field, especially when you're doing documentaries. They spend a lot of time doing beautiful shootings. They film a lot, so they are protected by the camera. And the, the difficult thing is when you wait for them because then you don't work. So then you have time to see the bodies, you know, the rumbles. And in Mosul, it was very, very disturbing because it was eight months after the, the end of the war. And you have bodies of Daesh people literally everywhere in Maidan, in the old city. And what the Iraqi forces were saying, like, they're not human. They're, they're like dogs. So it was very, very disturbing to see that they let all these bodies, you know, for eight months. Not only because it was super dangerous in terms of health, but also because it says something about humanity you know and 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 so i guess the most difficult thing is not to work on that because you work you ask questions you do your job and and you're busy but when you wait for the camera and to film and you are not busy you have time to what to look at it and then it it, it get inside and and that's that's difficult so how do you deal with these emotions that have a toll on you when you're in the field when you're on the field you work 100% of the time. And it's probably also at night, actually. Even when you sleep, your brain is still working. And and when you come back, then you, you rest. So I guess it's the most important thing is to have a very balanced life here. So you get, you can rest and you have people who are, who give you a, a very normal life. And so you, you can balance. I mean, at the same time, it's what's, it's why you feel guilty, because you feel that you have so lucky. But at the same time, I guess what keeps you balanced. So you can rest and you can feel what it is to have a normal life. 
And then when you're not in the field, the adrenaline has left and you're on your way back to France. Do those emotions hit harder? What's the first night back home like? I go back to my family, of course, and, and uh, especially when the, my kids were very young. When you, when you leave uh, for 10 days, you know that your partner is pretty happy when you come back. <laughs> but, um, but it's true that... The, the first day, you, it's better if you are let alone a little bit. You have time to, to, to make this transition. But I guess, again, I don't, go, I don't go on front line, so I don't... The bad stuff I see, it, it's very different from people who, is doing a, who work on front line. I guess you, you don't get to be traumatized. Is it difficult to sleep when you get back then? Well... Uh, no, because you're so exhausted that actually <laughs> you, you collapse. Um, but then, no, I guess it's, I think it's deeper than that. This, this sense of unfairness and it's not, it's not only that you, are, that you don't sleep very well. It's, it's, uh, it can arrange you really and, and um, make you very, very angry. You're listening to What Keeps You Up at Night with Anne Poiret. So, with uh, your production company, After War, you've decided to focus on the grey zones. Again, the struggles after the war, the aftermath of armed conflict. What was the decision-making process that led you to focus on this specific theme? I think at first I was really attracted by war journalism. I thought it was my, my thing, what really would drive me. And at some point I realized that I found it more interesting to, to come when the news people and, and, and the war will be over, actually, and when the attention will have gone and have shifted to other places. But still the devastation is there and, and the people are still there. But when I received the Albert Londres, Price. Every two years, it's uh, we we go abroad for the ceremony, and that time, the year I won it was in Beirut. And Beirut, for my generation, is very symbolic because that's where the civil war happened for. Then you know it would last forever. When and I was kids, you know, I was watching newscast, and every newscast was starting with the uh, hostages and the civil war in Lebanon. So being there for this prize was really, really meaningful for me. And the day after the ceremony, a confrontation happened between the, the Lebanese army and, and, and a group. And a lot of my friends, and new friends, very experienced uh, war journalists um, that we met in the ceremony, they went to cover the events. And so we, we were about to go with them. And I, I was super excited. So that, that's my thing. I'm here. I'm going to cover the war. And I made a decision in the taxi we were about to, you know, find bulletproof vest, camera equipment, you know, to go and cover this. And I asked the taxi to go back to the hotel, actually. I said, no, I'm not going there. And I really realized at that time that it was not okay for me to go there without understanding anything about the situation, just to cover violence, you know, to be a witness of something that I will not be able to explain and make sense of it. 
that I want to, to, to go to this kind of place because I'm, I'm really fascinated by places where war happens. But I just don't want to watch violence. At least I want to be able to understand what's going on. So I need to be prepared. I need to work on it and work for a long time uh, before going. You spoke about the Albert Londres Prize. You also received an international Emmy. What was the night like? What was the celebration like, for example, when you received these prestigious awards? Albert Londres, I really didn't sleep at all for several nights because we partied a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of time during the whole night. You know, Beirut is also, especially uh, at that time, it was, was peace at that time and the parties there and the nightclubs are just amazing. So we, we didn't sleep at all. And also because before that, for a lot of reasons, I made choices in my career. I was, I was 30, so I was pretty young. But the, the, the first seven years were a succession of uh, bad experience and, um, and failure. So I was very surprised. And suddenly it was all the bad choices I'd made before that suddenly had come out. It was a happy hand. <laughs> Many happy nights then. Many happy nights. And Poiret, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. And to our listeners, thank you for being with us. We hope you'll join us next time. If you've liked this episode, feel free to leave us a comment and a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to access all new episodes. Until then, take care and sleep well. <laughs>